0: Last week, we started a series called Humility Matters, and we're going to continue in that series today. Um, Last week, we talked about how humility matters to God, and humility does matter to God. And we saw that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at how humility matters in our relationships with others. And in order to do that, we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Philippians. Now, I just want to say, and I know most of the people here are followers of Christ, but I want you to think about this just for a minute, just to, to try to get us out of our stupor, because sometimes we, we, we go through the motions in doing these things. Uh, what we're about to do is really strange. I'm about to read from a book and then I'm going to talk about it for many minutes. And you're going to sit there and listen. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? And yet, the reason we do that is because we really do believe that the Bible is God's truth. God's truth given to us so that we would know His wisdom. And that's why we do what we do. So I just want to encourage you, even though this might be a little strange to our society, to our culture, it is good for us to hear what God has to say from His Word. And let's, so we're going to do that from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. You can see that on your screen. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Um, Father, we thank you for your word. Will you please help us to hear what you have to say, to hear your truth. And Holy Spirit, will you apply it to our lives that we will live out what you tell us is good for us, that we would learn humility. And would you make this possible for your glory, for our good, and for the good of this community. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, 1995, Pixar Animation Studios came out with their first film. Does anyone remember what that film was? Toy Story, correct. Yep. 1995, Pixar released its first major motion picture, Toy Story, and it was a hit. Now, if you happen to not know what Toy Story is about, it's about a group of toys. It's a story about toys. Thus, the name Toy Story, and it is uh, about these toys that are named that are owned by Andy, and Andy has his favorite toy, which is called Sheriff Woody. It's this sheriff, an old-timey sheriff, and it's voiced by Tom Hanks, by the way. And not only is Woody Andy's favorite toy, but he's basically the, the leader of all the other toys. But then. On Andy's birthday, he gets a Buzz Lightyear action figure. And suddenly, Woody doesn't seem to be Andy's favorite toy anymore. And on top of that, Buzz is impressing all the other toys with what he's able to do. And so, Woody grows more and more envious of Buzz. In one particular scene, again, if, you're not, if you haven't seen the movie, and if you have, you, you remember the scene, the family's going away to p- Pizza Planet. And the mom tells Andy, you can only have one toy go with you to Pizza Planet. And of course, he's going to choose Buzz, because Buzz is the new toy. Woody is furious about that, and he thinks up this scheme. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make Buzz look over there, and then I'm going to get this remote control car And I'm gonna knock Buzz off of the the piece of furniture behind it so that Andy can't find him, and then he'll have to take me. Unfortunately, through a, a, a series of mishaps, he doesn't knock him behind the furniture, he knocks him out an open window, and the rest of the movie is the misadventures of how they get Buzz back to the house. It's a great movie. But as I've watched that movie numerous times, Woody's desire to be the center of attention, his desire, and con- his desire to be the best toy, his, his concern that Buzz Lightyear is taking his place as Andy's favorite toy causes him to treat Buzz in less-than-kind ways. And you know what's interesting? I did not know this until recently. Does anybody know what Woody's last name is? It's not Sheriff Woody. Woody is his first name. Sheriff is his title. Do you know what his last name is? Pride. Woody Pride. And that's exactly what's going on when Woody thinks I should be the center of attention I should be the one who's getting all the attention from Andy and the other toys. Buzz is getting in on my territory. I don't like this. And pride has caused him to treat others, particularly Buzz, poorly. And the same is true in our lives, right? When pride, which is that desire to exalt ourselves, to make ourselves higher, gets in the way of relationships, it can really mess our relationships up. But when we have humility in our relationships, this is what we're going to talk about today, and humility, remember, that is the desire or the, at least the willingness to lower ourselves, especially for the good of someone else. That causes our relationships to thrive. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So last week we said humility matters To God, this week, humility matters in relationships. Humility matters when it comes to our relationships. From our passage today in Philippians, we read these words, Do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, pride, but in humility... Consider others more significant than yourselves. Now, this isn't the only passage that talks about humility in relationships. There's also Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, where Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace." There's also Colossians 3, 12 through 13, which says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So also you must forgive. And then finally, there's 1 Peter 5, 5 that says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. So this is not a one-off that we find in Philippians. This is something that the entire Bible talks about, that humility is important in our relationships with one another. And the reason is simple. Pride is detrimental to our relationships. Pride is detrimental to our relationships, but humility is beneficial. Pride is detrimental, humility is beneficial. Last week, I mentioned a a book by C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, great book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. If you have read it, but it's been a while, go back and read it again, great book. But there's one particular chapter that I think is just, it's stellar, and it's about pride and humility. And I had two quotes from C.S. Lewis last week. This week, I'm going to overdose on C.S. Lewis, because we're going to have a trifecta of quotes. But they're all going to be in one place. All right, they're all going to be right here. First, about how pride is detrimental to relationships. Listen to this. C.S. Lewis says, pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or common sense. You see what C.S. Lewis is saying there? He says that if if you have pride, it's like a cancer, and it keeps you from being able to love other people. Or listen to this next quote. C.S. Lewis says, pride is competitive by its very nature. That is why it goes on and on. If I am a proud man, then as long as there is one man in the whole world more powerful or richer or cleverer than I, he is my rival and my enemy. Pride causes us to be competitive with one another, and not in a good competitive way, in a negative competitive way where we see each other as enemies. And that leads us to the third quote from C.S. Lewis in this chapter on pride in mere Christianity. He says, the Christians are right. That's good to hear. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Other vices may sometimes bring people together. You may find good fellowship and jokes and friendliness among drunken people or unchaste people. And that's that's very much true. But pride always means enmity. It is enmity. And not only enmity between man and man, but enmity to God. Pride causes us to be enemies of each other. When I was a a kid, uh, my best friend in the world was Scott. And, And Scott and I, we were like, we just, we did a lot of stuff together. We got in a lot of trouble together. We had a lot of fun together. But something came in between Scott and I. It started, at least in my mind, it started when my mom started asking, how did did you do on your test today, Stuart? You know, I'm in school and taking a test, and I come home, and I made a 93. And then she'd say, well, what did Scott make? That's where I think it started. And at some point, I became very competitive with Scott. Everything that Scott did, I wanted to do better. And everything that I did that Scott started to do right after I did it, it made me angry. And I had to be better. And it came in between us. Now, eventually, we worked it out. But there was a period of time where we were enemies, even though we were friendly towards one, you know how southerners can be, you can be friendly to each other's face, but really, you know, you like, I hate your guts, oh bless your heart, you know, that's just, that's just the way we are, okay? So my relationship with Scott, it, it suffered because of my pride. My pride came in the way of a good relationship with him, and that's what pride does. And that's why we read in Philippians chapter 2, to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility to count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Think about that. If, If I had thought in my mind, I'm going to treat Scott more significant than me, I am going to look after Scott's interests, just like I want to look after mine, but I'm going to look after his. What would that have done? Even though my mom was saying, well, what did Scott make? And I'd say, well, I'm really happy for Scott. He made a 95. That's humility. Not wanting to exalt ourselves and make ourselves better, but being willing to lower ourselves, especially for the good of another person. And the fact is that in this passage in Philippians, God calls us to adopt the humble attitude of Jesus. And buckle your seatbelts because this is going to be a bumpy ride to look at this. God calls us to adopt the humble attitude of Jesus. So in in verses 3 and 4, we see, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Uh, Okay. And then verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Uh, Okay. That sounds kind of tough, but okay. And then the next line is this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, the reason you do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, the reason in humility you count others more significant than yourselves, the reason you look out after other people's interests is because of Jesus. What Jesus has done for you and what He calls you to live, the way He calls you to live. Look at this. So in verse 5, have this mindset, this attitude, this this way of thinking about yourself and others, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who though He was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, And this is a mystery. There's one God, but somehow there's three persons, and yes, that's a lot to take in. But even though the Son is just equal with God, the Father, the Son was willing to lower Himself. He didn't see equality with His Father as something He had to hold on to, like, you know, I have to be this, I have to be like this. Now was willing to let go. And verse 7 tells how that let go, what that looked like. Verse 7, but he emptied himself, and he took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. I want you to think about that. That very God of very God was was willing to be a servant, was willing to be a butler, Okay? I mean, he was willing to do things, he was willing to clean the toilet, all right? I mean, that, that's what a servant does, right? You know, the, the, the king doesn't clean his own toilet. But Jesus was willing to get into the muck and the mire and the mess of life here in this fallen world. He emptied Himself and took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And verse 8, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself even further by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There is nothing more humiliating than death by cross, death by crucifixion. You know, today, and I know there are all kinds of different opinions about the death penalty, and I get that, but even in those states where they do allow the death penalty, they have more humane ways of doing it, which I think is kind of funny, humane ways of killing people, but you know, it is, it's a lot better than hanging. It's a lot better than the electric chair, this injection that they have and you kind of fall asleep. Don't wake up again. None of that is as humiliating as being stripped naked and being hung on two pieces of wood. Having nails through your arms and nails in your feet and hanging there for the entire community to see you. And they can come back and they can say anything about you that they want. Anything nasty and ugly, they can just say it to you. And they did. And that's what Jesus did for us. He humbled himself like that for us, so that we would have life, so that we would have forgiveness of our sins, so that we would have the abundant provision that God has for all of his people. That's what Jesus did for us. Now, granted, he did not stay humbled, right? As we saw last week, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Jesus was exalted. He was raised to the highest place, given the name that is above every name, right? But he had to go through the humiliation first. He had to be humbled first. Now, at this point, If you're not saying, that's ridiculous, there's no nobody has that kind of attitude. Okay, that was Jesus. I can't have that kind of attitude. I can't be willing to lay down my life for another person, especially in a way that would be humiliating like crucifixion. I can't do that. And this passage is saying, have the same mindset as Jesus? If you're not bucking up against that, you're probably not hearing it right. But yes, that is what God calls us to, especially as followers of Christ, to humble ourselves. Not to be humbled, but to humble ourselves, especially for the good of others. This is the attitude that we are to have, the same attitude as Jesus. And this attitude is played out in the way we view and treat others the way we view and treat others. Okay, God, just, just, just for clarity's sake, God is probably not calling any of you to suffer crucifixion. Probably. Not literal crucifixion, at least. But God is calling all of us to view and treat others this way. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition, Nothing. Don't do anything out of conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You know what I like to think of when I think about this verse? I like to think of I'm a butler and I'm serving. And so if someone says to me, hey, I I don't have enough mashed potatoes on my plate. Yes, sir, I'll go get you some mashed potatoes right away. That's the attitude of a servant. And I can already tell that some of you are like, "Uh uh-uh, not this guy, no way, I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna have that kind of attitude. And I'm not saying you have to give the person mashed potatoes, that's not my real point. My real point is, that you see the other person as more significant. Or verse 4, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We live in a very me society. It's all about me. It's all about what I want, what I need, what I think are my rights, what I everything about me. And this passage is saying, look, you can have those things. You can look out after your own interests. We're not saying you can't, but you also need to look after the interests of other people too. And if they get in the way, which is supposed to give? That, that's a tough one, right? To humble ourselves, to think about others as more significant to. Think about other people's interests. Now, I want you, just for a moment, and I don't know we're running out of time, but I want you to think about this. Imagine a community in which everybody lived this way. Where everybody was treated as if they were the most significant person in the room. where everyone wasn't just chasing after their own interests, but they were also trying to make sure that other people had their interests taken care of, wouldn't that be a community you would like to belong to? Wouldn't you? That's what the church is called to be. As hard as that is, as as difficult as that sounds, that is the way we are called to live. So if you like having something specific to do, let me give you an action point, something you can try to do this week. You ready? Cultivate humility in your interactions with others. Cultivate. And notice I'm using the word cultivate because you're not going to just switch on a switch and suddenly be humble tomorrow. It's just not going to happen that way. But cultivate that kind of humility where you're thinking about others, where you're lowering yourself for the good of others. And if you want some specific ways of doing this, let's think at least three. Okay, first, and we've said this before in many times before in, in sermons like this, but let's say it again. First, listen To understand. And the reason I keep hammering that one home is because we are a society that does not listen. Or when we listen, we only listen to the people that we already agree with. We don't listen to each other. You want to cultivate humility in your life? Listen to what other people have to say, especially if they disagree with you. Number two, and this is the one I'm going to get in trouble for. Don't insist on your own way. Don't insist on your own way. Now, I know there's somebody out there saying, Stuart, there are just some things you have to insist. This is my way. You just have to. That's just the way it is. All right, let me give you a scenario. You go to somebody's house, and they have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and you are deathly, deathly allergic to peanuts. All right? And you're going to say, see, Stuart, that's an area where you need to insist, I will not eat this peanut butter sandwich because it will kill me. Did you hear how I just said that? Now, contrast that with, hey, um... I know, I really appreciate the fact that you have made some peanut butter jelly sandwiches and I would love to enjoy them, but I'm unable to eat these because I am deathly, I mean, deathly allergic to these things. And so, hey, look, I'm fine with not having something or if you do have something else, I'd, I mean, I'd be willing to eat whatever you have, anything else, but seriously, and I don't, I don't mean to oppose. it's just, you know, I can't do that. You hear the difference between those two? One is insisting and one is humility. Which one would you rather hear if you're the person having the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? That's humility, and that's the way we need to treat one another. And then finally, if there's something that you can do, that every one of us can do in some way, fashion or form, serve others. That's a way you can cultivate humility. Serve another person. Let me tell you a quick story and we'll end the sermon here. Um, in our household, and I, know, I can't say this for all of the people in my household, but I know for me, the one thing that I, the one chore I do not like to do is clean the bathtub. I hate cleaning bathtubs. I would much rather clean the kitchen or do yard work. And, you, and some of you guys know, I don't really like to do yard work either. But I I'd, I'd do yard work every single day of the week to keep from having to clean the, the, the bathtub. I just hate cleaning a bathtub. Thank you. <laughs> Got a brother right there. One way I could serve my family humble myself, say, I'm willing to clean the bathtub. (coughs) Now that I've said that, you know what's gonna happen this week. (laughs) So you can ask, Stuart, did you clean the bathtub this week? Probably gonna have to say yes to that. But that's what we can do. In order to humble ourselves, we listen to understand, we don't insist on our way, and we serve others. And with that in mind, folks, let's let's remember this because of Jesus and by the work of the Spirit, let's grow. Let's grow in engaging others with humility. And I'm going to pray that we'll be able to do that. Father, will you help us to engage with others in humility? Holy Spirit, will you fill us and empower us to really embrace humility? for the beautiful thing that it is. And Jesus, help us to have your attitude that we would lower ourselves for the good of others. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name and for your glory, along with the Father and Holy Spirit, our one true God, amen.